never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Pure love. You know, we are, we are so blessed with our worship team. They do a great job. And I tell you, I stand, whenever, I get to listen to them three times. And so it's, I enjoy it. And so by the time I, I'm just praying I don't lose my voice. Because y'all, when I, I, I sing like I'm on American Idol. Um, and I'm not any good, but it just feels so good to sing. So they do such a great job, and I'm appreciative of, of them. Uh, today we are going to be looking in Luke chapter 19. And so if you uh, would like to, you can kind of jump ahead a little bit. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 19, verse number 1, in, in just a few moments. Uh, there was a pastor that would make calls to people when they would come and, and worship at the church. Then the next day he'd call them and just sort of introduce himself. And so he called this one family, and this boy answered, and he answered in a whisper, and he said, hello. And the pastor said, uh, hey, uh, who is this? He said, this is Jimmy. He said, well, Jimmy, how old are you? He said, I'm four. And so, okay, Jimmy, well, I was just calling to see if I could talk to your dad. And he said, he's busy right now. So, well, can I talk to your mom? And she's busy right now, too. He goes, well, are there any other adults there? He said, four-year-old kids. And any other adults there? And he said, uh, yeah, the police are here. And he goes, uh, well, can I speak to one of them? And he said, well, they're busy too. And so then the pastor's confused. He said, well, I mean, they're busy too. He said, well, what, what in the world are they busy with? He said, they're busy looking for me. Now, you know, there's a, there's a lot of us who can, in some senses, identify with that little kid in that we are people who, who every once in a while we like to kind of hide you know, like we, and for those of, uh, some, sometimes guys, there are times when we, you know, we want to hide from our, like our wives. And, you know, because we're, we're kind of nervous about some of the stuff that we, maybe we did something, or we went out uh, too long with some other people, so we want to hide from them. And then sometimes as parents, when you have, when you have a, a lot of kids, like one or more, you know, then you want to, maybe you want to hide from them as well. And you might want to hide from, from your boss at work. And then it also kind of it carries over even into your spiritual life. Uh, there are times in our spiritual life when we want to hide from God. And some of the reasons why we want to hide from God are there are times we're just tired and, and we don't want to hear what he has to say. Or it could be that there are times whenever we begin to look at ourselves and we think, man, I'm embarrassed for the way that I've, that I've lived. I have some, some guilt for some things that I've done in my past. And so there are times when we want to hide even from God. But, but even though we have a tendency to want to hide, and sometimes when it means whenever things are kind of rough, and we want to hide. I honestly believe this about most people. I believe that most people want to encounter, want to experience, want to see God. I really believe that people have a desire to just simply have a moment of experience with God. And yet, too many times we have this feeling of, I can never experience that. I can never have an encounter with God because of some of the stuff that I've done. And I think that will interfere in a relationship with Him. I think that would cause God not even to be interested in me. And that's why today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 19. And if you kind of cheated ahead a little bit, we're going to see that we're going to be talking today about a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a man who wanted to have an encounter with God, but in so many ways he felt like he was too insignificant to be able to have that encounter. 
And yet what we're going to see today is that God desires to have an encounter with you in your life. And so that's why we're going to be looking at Zacchaeus. Now if you've grown up in the church, you're probably familiar somewhat with the story of Zacchaeus. More than likely, there are some of you who are familiar with the song about Zacchaeus. Y'all know that song? I I wanted James to sing it today, but he didn't think that would really fit fit into the worship set. But you know the song, Zacchaeus was a... And a wee little man. Isn't that a weird little saying? He's a wee little man. And then, of course, and a wee little man was he, right? So we, we kind of know the song. But Zacchaeus, and we t- tell the story, he's a guy that was short, but he was a guy that, he was a guy who was, he felt like he was insignificant in his stature with God. He felt like he was insignificant and that he didn't have value before God. But after his encounter with Jesus, everything about his life became different. And my hope for you today is that you're going to see that you were never too small, that you were never too insignificant to have an encounter with God. And so that's why we're going to look in Luke chapter 19. And I just want to share with you a little bit of background about Luke 19. Whenever you read this, you'll see that they were in the, the city of Jericho. And there's crowds of people that are there. They're walking down the road. What they're doing is they are, they are actually walking through Jericho to go up to Jerusalem. That's why there's so many people there. And what, what they're doing is they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover, which, of course, is a, it was a, it's a major Jewish holiday. It's where they were celebrating the release from captivity in Egypt after over 400 years of let out by Moses. So every year... They celebrate the Passover. Uh, to me, it just it sort of reminds me like like Christmas. You know, it's our Christmas. You know, whenever Christmas comes around, you know, we, we all pack our stuff up. We all gather together. And many of us go and we go see family for that joyous and yet very stressful occasion. Right? So that's what's happening in our text. The people are they are they are on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate. They got family with them. They've been on the road for days. Jericho is slam full of people. And Jesus is one of the people that is walking through Jericho as well, heading up to Jerusalem. But he's going to Jerusalem, not just to celebrate Passover. He's going to Jerusalem to go to the cross. And he knows this. And as he's traveling there, he wants to have, before he goes there, he wants to have an encounter with a man who felt small and insignificant. And it's a man named Zacchaeus. And so the hope for today is that we're going to see, if we're going to move from feeling insignificant to seeing that our lives have value, there are some things that I really believe that all of us need to recognize about life. And so we're just going to look at a few things to recognize that hopefully will be helpful to you and to me. And the first thing for us to recognize about life is this. We all have obstacles to face in life that sometimes make us feel small. Every person in here has an obstacle that they are facing or that they will face in their life that will make them feel small and make them feel insignificant. Now I want to read to you the first three verses of chapter 19. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a wee man, right? Since he was a short man. Now, I, I can tell you this. I am, uh, I am able to point out everything that is wrong in the world. Y'all, if you want 
the negative meter. If you want me to point out everything that is not good, just come to me. I will let you know what it is. I can be a griper extraordinaire. When I was a kid, I could talk about how things weren't fair. I could gripe. And then my dad would pull me over to the side and say, son, let me tell you something. Because I would drive him crazy. He'd say, son, all God's children got problems. Not just you. You can complain all you want. Let me tell you something. All God's children got problems. Now, here's what I've learned. He is absolutely right. Now, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He's passing through Jericho. And we are told there are crowds of people that are gathering around him. Now, now why is this happening? Why, why, why do people want to see Jesus? And at this point, the reason why is because Jesus is pretty well known. In the same time period, right here, as they're going through Jericho, Jesus had already come across a man named Bartimaeus. He was a blind guy. We're going to talk about him later in this series, having an encounter with Jesus. He was a blind guy, and he's calling out to Jesus. Jesus has him come over, and, and, and he heals him. I mean, a blind guy can see. Now, do you think that that is something that, if you're like, if that guy, he healed somebody, you think, can you understand why people are crowding around Jesus? Zacchaeus is one of these people. He wants to get a glimpse of Jesus. Now, when you look in the Bible, it doesn't tell us exactly the reasons for why Zacchaeus is trying to get his eyes on Jesus. But I think we can take a couple of educated guests, uh, guesses. Uh, the first one is it's the celebrity factor. I mean, if there's a guy that heals people, he's just touched a blind guy, and all of a sudden he sees again, you're thinking, okay, i got to get in on this show. i got to see what's happening here. People are lining the streets to see Jesus. And, you know, people, we're, we're still the same way. We still do the same thing today. There is a celebrity factor that so many people are drawn to. You know, we're so interested in the lives of people who are famous. You know, you go to the grocery store, you stand in line, you know, those, those racks right there, you know, like National Enquirer, Bat Boy, you know, you're, I, mean, I got to read that. There's People Magazine, you read about the stars and what's going on in their lives, and so interested. Uh, there, there's, there's people that, you know, I know they get on the television, and, you know, I know that, you know, Greg Butler, he's, you know, he's always telling me what's happening with the Kardashians, and so, you know, there's all these, Greg's right here, by the way, if you want to talk to him and find out. Uh, so there's all these different shows that are on, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, you got, Greg, why are you wasting your time watching the Kardashians? Stuff I don't get. Why are we so interested in celebrity? And so I roll my eyes, thinking, you know, how people are so shallow. And then here's what I realized about myself. The same way. I went down to uh, Charleston, and uh, I, I went out to dinner with my son, with Hank, and and so we went out to eat. We go to this restaurant. We're sitting there eating. And lo and behold, guess who walks in? Bill Murray. Caddyshack Bill Murray. So he walks in, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I'm, I'm telling him, I'm like, hey, let's go take a picture with him. And Hank's over there. And, you know, of course, he's in prison or school uh, down at the Citadel. And so he's like, I don't want to do that. And I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm watching him eat. You know, I was like, Man, look, he's eating a hamburger. You know, like that's news or something. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I see celebrity and I'm just like drawn to it. Now, my guess is that that's a similar situation with Zacchaeus. Jesus is coming to town. I want to see this guy. But there's also, a, this is what I think is probably the main reason as to why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. It's because Zacchaeus was a guy who's searching. 
And he's searching for something in his life. He's a guy who has sacrificed everything to get where he is or where he was at this time. He said, what did he sacrifice? He's a a guy who sacrificed respect. We're going to find this out in a minute. He sacrificed his ethics. He sacrificed friendships. He sacrificed his name to just simply get more. His name, Zacchaeus, the name Zacchaeus means the righteous one. As you read more about Zacchaeus, you find out he was not exactly a righteous man. He wasn't even living up to his name. Uh, Zacchaeus, for his, we know this, his, his job, he was a tax collector. Now, I'm not making any statements. If any of you in here are tax collectors, I'm not making a statement about you. I just will behind your back. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Zacchaeus, uh, what, what he did, a tax collector during this day, they, they worked for, the Roman government was in charge of the nation at this time. And you did not have, uh, you didn't get appointed a tax collector. You paid, you paid to buy the right to be a tax collector. And you didn't get paid a salary. The only way you made money as a tax collector is by skimming off the top of the people's taxes. And if you were going to do well, that meant that you had to lie. It meant that you had to cheat people. And so tax collectors, as you can imagine, were not very popular. To top it off, Zacchaeus was a Jewish man. And he's working for the foreign government, cheating his own people. So as you can imagine, his own people hated his guts. I mean, this is a guy who is a traitor. He's a liar. They couldn't stand being around him. Tax collectors were not viewed very favorably. As a matter of fact, as you read about Jesus, you will see that they will tell, they would complain about Jesus and say, he even eats with sinners and tax collectors. I mean, they have their own ranking. I mean, they are at the bottom of the bottom. And so this is who Zacchaeus was, and he was a man who sacrificed everything, even his pride and his integrity, to get what he wanted, and yet he was still empty. Ecclesiastes 5, verses 10 through 11 says, The one who loves money is never satisfied with money. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. When good things increase, the one who consumes them multiply. What then is the profit to the owner except to gaze at them with his eyes? You know, we are so susceptible to thinking that we can, we can buy joy and that we can buy happiness. You know, if, if that was true, the only thing you'd have to do is go to McDonald's and buy a Happy Meal. You know, and then you'd be happy. And for those of you with kids, you remember when you used to do that with your kids? You know, they wanted a Happy Meal. So you give them a Happy Meal. They're happy. How long are they happy? Till the next meal. You know, it's just a short time. They're, they're happy, and then, you know, they, they do that little trick with those toys, and then they would change out the toys. So your kids are happy, and then they, we got to have another happy meal so I can get a different toy. So, you know, and it, became, it creates this vicious cycle, and, and, and that's where Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus was a guy who tried to buy happiness, but he could never find it. He was hated. He wasn't satisfied. He was a guy that had a lot of obstacles, that made him feel small. And I look at him and I think, man, how sad is that? And I thought, how many of us are that way? How many of us in life, we, we feel dissatisfied? How many of us in, in life that we've been, we've been searching for more, searching for satisfaction, and yet when we, when we even get it, how many of us are still empty? How many of us still have this gnawing sense deep within us that there's got to be something more? My guess is there'll be a lot of stuff to say, I feel that way. 
But here's the good news. Zacchaeus looked at his life and he realized that it cost him everything and yet he was still empty. But the good thing about it is recognition of your condition is a great thing because until you recognize your condition, your life can never change. And that's why it's so important that one thing that we understand or that we recognize in life is that we all have obstacles that make us feel small. But another thing to recognize is this. When you begin to recognize that, that you're going to have obstacles, you also need to recognize that you're helpless. You know, when it comes down to it, we are a people who are helpless, which means that we are a people who are in need of help. And we we can begin to get a picture of this in verse 4. It says, so Zacchaeus running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. And so here's Jesus, he's going through town, people wanted to get near him because they'd heard about him. You know, he'd healed Bartimaeus, he'd taken, uh, he'd taken a few loaves of, of bread and some fish, and he turned it into a meal for thousands of people. Uh, a lady was sick, and she walks up, and she just simply touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and it says, and immediately she was healed. So I understand why people want to get near Jesus. But it could have been that Zacchaeus could have very easily have felt trapped. Thinking, I want to get near Jesus, but why would he do anything for me? Because I've been a liar. I've been a cheater. I've been a thief. I've just been simply looking at life like it's simply all about me. And he could have very easily understood, you know what, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything from God. And and that is a key point to come to in your life and in my life when we begin to understand that God does not owe you or me one thing. He doesn't owe us anything. And when we come to that place where we understand that we are helpless, it is then that we can throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your mercy. See, before you can be helped, you have to understand that you're helpless. There's an old story of a guy, he went to a, went to a picnic, he's down by the river, they're down by the river and they're playing frisbee and one of the guys slips off of the dock and falls into the river and he gets taken down by the current. It becomes pretty apparent quickly, the guy can't swim, and he's just thrashing around. And one of the guys there happened to be a lifeguard, so he runs and he jumps in the water but instead of swimming directly to the guy who's thrashing around, he just begins to tread water. And he tells the guy, quit thrashing around. And the guy just keeps on thrashing around. And his friends are yelling, go get him, he's going to die. And Jesus sits there and he continues to tread water. And so that guy is finally so worn out, he can't thrash around anymore. And he goes under. And then he swims out. He grabs the guy and brings him back to safety. His friend's like, what in the world are you doing? Why didn't you go to him earlier? He said, if, he, if I would have gone out to him while he was still thrashing around, he said very likely he would have grabbed onto me and pulled me under as well. He said, before I could help him, he first of all had to become helpless. Guys, let me tell you something. That's the same thing's true with God. Before we can be rescued and restored, before our brokenness can be healed, there has to be a point when we stop struggling and recognize that we are helpless so that God then can come in and do his saving work. Zacchaeus had been thrashing around for years looking for answers, but he finally came to a point where he said, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired, I can't do this on my own. And so he decided to put himself in a position of weakness, 
Now, how did he do that? Well, if you look in our text, it says the crowd was large. And so what Zacchaeus did so that he could see the crowd is he ran ahead of them, and then he climbed up into a tree. He climbed up into a tree to see Jesus. Now, just some interesting uh, historical notes here. Uh, for, for men during this day, it was seen as being uh, undignified to run. Men who were running, it was just not a very dignified thing. And that's, I'm going to start using that so I don't exercise because uh, it's not dignified for men to run. And so that's, that's, one, of the things that he, that, that's one of the uh, things that you see in our text. It's, it's not, he's running, not dignified. Uh, so I guarantee you it was not dignified for a grown man to be climbing a tree. So he, he's running, and then he starts climbing a tree. Now, why is he doing that? Because he wants to see Jesus. Now, whether he recognized it or not, whenever he's running, and then whenever he climbs into a tree, you know what he's saying? I'm desperate. I'm willing to lay aside my pride. I'm willing to put aside my dignity just simply to see Jesus. Now, how about you? What are you willing to do to see Jesus? How desperate are you to have an encounter with God? Have you come to a point where you recognize that you need the help of God? We say, well, how do, I, how do I do that? Well, none of us are going to have to go out of here and climb a tree for that to happen. But we have to have the same kind of attitude that Zacchaeus did, where we're willing to say, Lord, I am willing to put aside all of my pride and my arrogance and my dignity and just simply come to you and say, I am a man or I am a woman who is searching. And God, I am at a point of weakness in my life. I need help. You know, there's some things to recognize about life so we can move from being insignificant to being significant. The first one is all of us, we, we all got problems. All of us have, have issues we're dealing with that make us feel small. We, we also need to recognize that we're helpless, but this, that this is the positive one to recognize. Something else we need to recognize about life is this, and that is that God, recognize God can change your future. When you recognize you are helpless and you throw yourself at the mercy of God, it is then that God can change your very future. Uh, verse number five. Last few verses I'll read. When I get to the right page. It says, when Jesus came to the place, that he came to the tree, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your house. And so he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain, He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to save, or to seek and to save the lost. Now, Zacchaeus here, he's at the end of his rope. He's a guy who's been searching, and he hasn't been able to find anything in his life. And he gets to a place where he wants his life to change, where he wants to be restored and to be healed. But it turned out to be more than he bargained for. I mean, I, I look at this story, and it could be that Zacchaeus, he, he probably he could have run up to that tree, and just he might have been thinking, maybe Jesus will say something really inspiring, and I can take that with me, and it'll change my life. He could have climbed up into the tree and said, you know, just for me to be able to see him, just to see a great man, That'd be really neat. But it was more than he bargained for. We see Jesus is walking along. He looks over, and it had to be a strange sight. He sees a grown man 
sitting in a tree. And we're told that Jesus walked over to him and he said, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. Okay, now here's what's mind-blowing. They didn't know each other. And Jesus walked over to him and he called him by name. Now, just in contemporary terms for me, that'd be like, you know, you go to a concert, let's say the journey, and they're singing a song, and then they stop and say, hey, the very next song, I'd like to dedicate the song to Eric Step." Okay, I would be so excited. I'd be thinking, man, that's incredible. They know my name. Now, guys, let me tell you something. Jesus walks over to Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. You know what that means? It means God knows who you are. You feel small and insignificant. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows your name. The Bible says it. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16 says, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. And all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Now in one sense, it's a little frightening to know that God knows us. He doesn't just know your name. He knows how you think. He knows how you've lived. He knows what you've done. He knew what Zacchaeus had done. And that's why it's intriguing to me that Jesus did not walk over to the tree and say, Zacchaeus, I know who you are. You're a liar. You're a thief. You've sacrificed everything to get what you want. And you deserve everything that's coming to you. He didn't say that to him. What did Jesus say? He said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, for I'm coming to your house today. I am coming to change your life. Why would Jesus do that? Well, the answer is found in verse number 10. In verse number 10, Jesus gives us his mission. He came here into this world in order to seek and to save the lost. Did you know this? That Jesus is seeking you. He's been seeking you since you were born. Before you even knew who you were, God has been going after you. Because he desires to rescue you and to change your life. And I've said this before, you cannot come into contact with God and not become a different person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, behold, the new has come. Now, did, it, did God coming into contact with Zacchaeus change his life? You better believe it. If you look in verse number 8, Zacchaeus, he says, I'm coming to your house. Zacchaeus says, Lord... All the people I've ripped off, I'm going to give them back four times what I've taken from them. I'm going to give all that I have, I'm going to give it away. Would you say that was change? For a guy who's been living his life for more, Jesus touches his life and he says, that's not what's important to me anymore. I'll give it all away. Jesus, I just want you. How cool is that? Let me tell you something. When Jesus touches your life, he will radically transform who you are. He gives you a promise for a future. He gives you a promise of hope. And yet too many times we allow the fact that we feel small and insignificant to keep us from experiencing the healing from the brokenness that every one of us has in our lives. See, when Jesus came to Zacchaeus, he did not look at him 
as he should be. He saw him as he was. And he still wanted him. Guys, Jesus looks at you and doesn't say, man, I can't believe he's not what I intended for him to be. He looks at you and says, I want you because I can restore you and make you whole. Now, a lot of us, there's just some things we need to recognize about life because it's so easy to be beaten up by it, to become tired, and to feel like there is no hope. And we all got obstacles. We're helpless. But Jesus can change your future. Now, we live in a world that needs to be changed. We all have lives that need to be restored. Some of us today, I really believe this, I believe there are some of us who feel so small because we are, we are absolutely driven down in life by guilt, by shortcomings, and we think, it's too late. My encouragement for you, recognize a few things. Go to Jesus and share the guilt that you have. And say, Jesus, I don't, but you are right. You and I, we are helpless. Just tell God, I'm guilty. God, take my guilt. Move me through this. God, restore me. There are some of us who feel like we're just like regular worker bees. Like, I'm just a guy, I got a nine to five job, and my life is insignificant. They tell you, your life's not insignificant. Your life is so valuable that God sent his son Jesus for you. And even before you were in the womb, before the foundations of this earth, God knew you. God knows you. Come to God and just simply say, Lord, I feel insignificant, but God, I am trusting and believing that you value me. And I'm going to hang on to that. Others of us, we, we need to begin that journey with Jesus. And there might be some of you today, and you just need to simply talk to God in prayer today and say, God, you're the only thing, you're the only one who holds the future in your hands. And so, Lord, I give you my life to take care of my future. Lord, I, I seek your forgiveness, and I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Believing you, believing that what you say in this book, it is truth. And I'll hang my hat on it. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out.